it, he's the reason that all the other characters are able to grow. They have the arc that they have. But you get the feeling that he needs, he feels he needs to atone for something. Yeah. Don't you? Yes. I, I thought about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through. I would love to stop it right now and just say, all right, who do you think it is? <laughs> Nice! Back at it. Fright Club Live in front of that great Gateway Film Center crowd, Columbus, Ohio, and we have got a good one tonight. Yes, we do. But real quick, quick poll. How many of you are only here because you have a crush on Lily from AT&T? <laughs> okay. I'm not putting my hand up. I'm just pointing at the people that do. <laughs> yeah, this is, we were trying to remember in Happy Hour if this is maybe just the second Fright Club Live we've done that we had a new movie, a premiere, because we did it for The Dead Don't Die. That's right. And then we have this one, unless I'm forgetting something. No, because we were supposed to have done St. Maud and also Antlers, but there was a plague. Right. And it didn't let us do those things, I'm telling you, man, that that April, that was going to be our month. (laughs) We were going to kill it, and I think the point is we're the biggest victims of of COVID. (laughs) And I think we all can agree on that. No, welcome. Uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, Fright Club Live. And we were, yeah, it was just last time. We usually don't do two live events in a row, but we were doing it this time for a very good reason. But we had a great crowd and a great time last time when we showed The Skin I Live In. That's right. That was super fun. And, and Richard wrote a really great, very sort of complicated uh, review of the movie that is very complicated itself. And one of the things that I thought was very interesting was how few people had seen it. Yeah, um, that was great. We, uh, ahead of time, we were sort of, we thought that that was one of the maybe bigger films that we had um, scheduled into Fright Club, and I was surprised about how many people had not seen it before, and we scarred Brandon for life. <laughs> and I didn't but think that would happen either, but I clearly have no idea but what is and isn't more. scarring. Yeah, That's I right. love that because it's, not that it has a twist ending, but there's a big twist in the movie you don't want to give away no. to somebody that hasn't seen it. So that was great. And uh, and speaking of that, we had a great weekend. I know a lot of you joined us this weekend as we had a couple of events, a couple of events with Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> Speaking of s- s- twist endings, <laughs> um, she came in for a couple of live events and she was fantastic. She was Just the fantastic. nicest lady ever. She's like the nicest person in the whole world. It was it was alarming almost. And so we bought her some some Tito's and cranberry, and we got her to agree to be on this podcast. Yes, we did. Sometime soon, so we're going to hold her to that. Yes, we are definitely. So that should be fun. But she was she was just fantastic, and um, so that's been that's been leading us up to tonight, where uh, yeah, we have the premiere two days early. It's yep. opening on Friday. Yep. Werewolves Within. We didn't know till recently, since we're not gamers. This is based on a video game. Yep. And uh, so we'll we'll find out afterwards how many of you gamers can tell us exactly how close it comes to the. To the video game. And that, by the way, since it is new, we're not going to talk that much about it tonight, but I do want to get your reactions afterwards. So come on down after, and we'd love to get you on tape talking about uh, how, what you thought of the movie. And I'd be shocked if you don't love it because yeah. we got to see it, I think, last week or so. Yeah. And it is a lot of fun. It's very fun. Uh, there's another movie that's going to open this week at Gateway Film Center, and it is called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. It's a really moving, powerful vampire story. We loved it. We were very impressed by the film itself, and we were excited to find that the Gateway Film Center is going to schedule our short film Godspeed in front of it for its whole run here. So if you didn't get to see Godspeed last Fright Club, 
you should first of all you should go see this movie because it's awesome and you should then you get to see Godspeed which is very exciting yeah and thank you by the way for to the us one, for, <laughs> to everybody that did see it for the kind words last time and actually speaking of little intros uh, we just found out tonight that there's about a seven minute intro to this movie from the director yeah right and, and the star and the Sam star, Richardson gonna, because because it's a sneak peek so they're gonna I don't know what they're gonna tell us but that's yeah. cool yeah so I look forward to that hey Jeff uh, come on in. So, yeah, this one is perfect because, as you can see, the topic tonight is Mr. Nice Guy, Nice Guys in Horror. And this movie tonight definitely has one. But we're going to talk about uh, some other movies, four others, that to have a nice guy in horror as well and talk about some good ones. So um, anything beforehand before nope. we start? Nothing? No qualifiers or anything? Nope. Okay. So uh, we will start with our number five nice guy. And this is from the classic. We might have talked about this movie more than any other on this podcast <laughs> but not specifically about this character no. so this is great it's dick halloran from the shining i can remember when i was a little boy my grandmother and i could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths she called it shiny and for a long time i thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. A great character and definitely a nice guy. But I have to say, my favorite line of his in this movie is probably, <laughs> they were just a bunch of assholes. That's right. Completely unreliable assholes. <laughs> I love that. But, of course, Dick Halloran is played by Benjamin Sherman Scatman Crothers. Uh, and he is fantastic in this. And, you know, he meets that really bloody demise, which is just a shame because he is. He's just he's just trying to help pretty much throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And he's really the only person who talks to Danny, you know, with any sort of even his even his mom doesn't really talk to him. He's like listening and paying attention to what is happening. And uh, and you just really, I think, feel for. Dick Halloran, when he's he knows that this little boy is going to be able to see all of these awful things while he's here, and he just feels for him, you know? I think the, the scene where they talk to each other across that table is really moving for that reason, and I think that, that Crothers' performance is, is very tender and lovely. And I know that he didn't enjoy making this movie. Very famously, <laughs> that, that axe to the gut came 70 times. Yeah. Can you and, imagine that? No, and he just kept, like, he'd cry and be like, you know, Mr. <laughs> Kubrick, what? And he just kept doing it again and again and again. And, and it I, makes, for me, now it makes it makes his performance that much sadder. I heard he was quoted as saying, that Stanley Kubrick is just an asshole. <laughs> no, actually, he was quoted as saying, that movie was all right to make. But, you know, Stanley likes to do a lot of takes. Uh, it gets kind of boring, but when you take a job, you do it. <laughs> Unquote. Uh, yeah, it's a great nice guy character. He's because think about it. Before he he meets that uh, that uh, bloody end, he's he's away. He's away from the the overlook. He's, he's got, back with his art. He's got that fantastic painting. <laughs> he's watching TV and he just feels the need. He's such a yeah. good guy. He has to go back and help. He Love. probably shouldn't have. <laughs> probably. But they wouldn't have. have a snowcat if he didn't. That's exactly right. And you know he's trying to get through to the the guy on the radio. And it's just not it's just not helping. And of course he's tied in. Uh, with uh, doing the shine, and he just has to go back because he's a good guy to the very, very end. Yes, he is. And he is number five, Dick Halloran, on our and list I, of good I guys in horror. It's a theme to point out that nice guys very rarely make it all the way through a horror film. That is true. Yeah. 
That is true. So we'll find out if that holds true for the rest of the movie. So uh, actually moving up to number four on our list of good guys in horror, it is from the movie we're going to see tonight. And the character's name is Finn, played by Sam Richardson in Werewolves Within. I know it's easy to point the finger and fear each other. But can we all just take a breath? Please hold off on being enemies. All I'm asking is that you be a good neighbor. Like Mr. Rogers. With guns, though. With guns, yes. Mr. Rogers with guns, who's in? (laughs) (laughs) This is such a fun movie, and we're not going to talk too much about it because obviously you haven't seen it, but the the topic almost was whodunits, which is I think one of the things I like the best about this movie is that that's what it quickly turns into, like an Agatha Christie movie with werewolves, which is awesome. Yeah, and I guess one thing to, I I think Sam Richardson, who's the star, I I believe he's also a producer. He is. Uh, So so he's getting involved uh, big time in this, and that's why he's probably going to give us He's the guy to give us the intro at the beginning, but I think the interesting to think, thing to notice about his good guy character is how much he, he lives by a Mr. Rogers code. Yes. And also, might pay attention to how much or how little his good guyness changes yes. as the adventure uh, continues. So uh, that's about all we're going to say about Werewolves Within, because we're going to see it here. In just a few minutes, but he is number four is number on four. our list of horror good guys. All right, moving real up. quick. Yeah, number three has a spoiler. Oh yes, the trailer of number three has a spoiler. So I want to tell you about this because you might not have seen it. The movie is not that old. It is Lee from A Quiet Place. Has anyone not seen A Quiet Place? Are we going to ruin this movie for any of you? Okay. Well, it's Lee from A Quiet Place. <laughs> <laughs> needs a tissue after that trailer wow kind of a bring down i'm sorry um, i know i know you needed one just from putting this together i did and actually john krasinski has said that that originally the line was just going to be i love you and it was millicent simmons idea to make it i have always loved you and that is just the kick it isn't is. it, it i is. mean it just got you because the whole movie, you know, he's got, he and his oldest daughter have some issues right. that they're trying to work through quietly without drawing the attention of these evil monsters. And, you know, he's, you know, he's trying to get past this problem that they have and he's, he's working on little machines for her. And, and, you know, I mean, I think for me, their relationship is the most interesting and compelling part of the film. And even though, I mean, you couldn't call him a bad dad, you know, it's like they just, they're, they're having some issues as, you know, I recall having as an adolescent issues with my dad. And I just think that, that Krasinski does a remarkable job of making that character problematic and also just a dear person. And I think exactly what you said is one of the things that makes the beginning of Quiet Place 2 so good. Because one of the things it does, it reaffirms the relationship they had before all this started and before they lost little Bo, that they were very, very close. Obviously, yeah, so when- I didn't show you the Bo death scene, so at least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, in the beginning of Quiet Place 2, she, Reagan goes off with him. Yeah. And they're together during the, the first of the invasion. So it strengthens that, that character bond in the few minutes that he is in it in the, uh, in the prologue. 
But yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, they're in very strenuous situation, obviously, throughout the whole movie, but he's some sort of engineer. He's making the, the implant for her, and he's doing the light rigging and all that stuff, uh, and, of course, sacrificing himself at the end. So he, he definitely qualifies here. And one thing I didn't know until just this week I was doing research for this, originally there was talk of this movie being part of the Cloverfield franchise. Huh. Which I think Krasinski has said that he wasn't sure he would be on board with that, but the fact that it got to start its own thing, which, so I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely glad. Not that there's anything wrong with the, the Cloverfield movies, no. but this no. was was so great on its own. Uh, but uh, yeah, Lee, a great good guy character, even though there's there's so many questions about it because I think it's funny you say that you can't call him a bad dad. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, I mean the original Quiet Place. His hand is up. <laughs> the original Quiet Place had some had some haters, and that's fine. You cannot like or like any movie, but uh, so maybe that's one of the things, consciously or unconsciously, that they addressed in part two with that little prologue. But uh, a good, good guy, a good, nice guy, number three on our list, and that is Lee from A Quiet Place. Let's do another spoiler trailer, why don't we? And uh, this is uh, number two on our list, uh, Good Guy from the 2004 edition. It's a little older. Of You're more Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead from 2004. This is going to be a bit of a spoiler, and the character is Michael. Good guy, Michael. Stay on the boat. I can't help you. It's okay. It's gonna be all right. No. It won't. Hey. It will. You sure you want to do this? Yeah. I think I'll just stay here a while. Enjoy the sunrise. Another testament to the nice guys not making it. They don't. Oh, I know, so th- often. That was a tough one. It was. And actually, when I decided that the, that the topic would be nice guys, this was the first other person who sprung to mind. I bet Michael was a big fan of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I bet he was. Um, it's such a great character. And it is. you know one of the things I love about that particular clip is that she's she doesn't blink. She's just watching the whole time and, and you hear the gun go off and she doesn't blink. It's a it's a great you know, they carve out very memorable characters pretty quickly in this film. They do, and they've got a pretty big ensemble. Yeah. Everybody's good, but they do a good job with the characterizations, especially the more I thought about this character once we put this together, once you put this together. Uh-huh. If you think back to the things he says in the movie and you just get a little bit of a peek into his backstory, you get the feeling that at the end there, not only is he doing what he has to do because he's been bitten, but you get the feeling that he needs, he feels he needs to atone for something. Yeah. Don't you? Yes. I mean, he talks about his family and he talks about some strife that they've had in his family life and he's a very calm guy, keeps a cool head through the whole thing. And of course, there's a bit of an attraction there uh, with Sarah Pauly. But it's, it seems like he, he's fine with it because he needs to atone. One of the things I actually love about that character is that uh, in the mall, there is this constant battle for Alpha. You know, Sarah Polly, Ving Rhames, um, uh, the, the 
dick guy who <laughs> winds up being on the dick the dick um from from modern family that guy you know i think that they're all battling for who they're who's going to be in charge and who people are going to listen to mm-hmm. and in the end quietly it's michael they all listen to and when when ving Rame says he's leaving he's leaving this mall and sarah Polly says i think i want to go too yeah. nobody goes until michael says i saw a bus yeah. You know, he was he's the guy everybody trusts and believes in. And I appreciate that about this film. Yeah. And it's a really good that we've we've come back to this movie a lot, too. I really like this. Yes. Really like this one. Easily it's, it's my be- my favorite Zack Snyder film. And that's because James Gunn wrote it. And it's got and George Romero wrote it first. So he's got a lot of good stuff to work with. And it's got a fantastic beginning. Oh, and the then that best. ending. And then, of course, what comes after that yes. part is yeah. also very cool. Mm-hmm. So number two on our list of good guys in horror, and that is Michael from Dawn of the Dead, leading us up to number one. And this one not only is number one on this, but you've already talked about maybe putting together a, what, a saddest, saddest deaths in horror. And this would probably be at the top of your list as well. This qualifies both. And this is from 28 Days Later, and it's Brendan Gleeson as Frank. Oh, Frank, anyway. Jim. Selena. Selena, good to meet you. This is my daughter, Hannah. Come on, sweetheart, say hello. Come on. So I'm Frank, anyway. <laughs> I love this character so much. I just love him so much. And uh, there have been, uh, you thought I was going to put you through that one too, didn't you? You did. You did. There, sometimes it come up on Twitter like, what horror scene did you in and and that's the one the one with the bird i always have it i just ball well and remember no 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 move get away and remember oh my god in talking about him being such a good guy think about how that came to be he only that only happened because he was trying to shoo that crow off from eating from picking at the body of one of the infected so he's just a good guy and of course no good deed goes unpunished yeah and uh he gets it right in the eye and it's you see it coming. It's oh, slow God. motion enough. Like, oh, no. It's such a brilliant scene. Yeah. You know, Danny Boyle directed this. It's my favorite Danny Boyle movie, which is kind of crazy because, of course, he's made some other very, very big movies. And, and Alex Garland wrote it, who wrote mm-hmm. Ex Machina and, and Annihilation. And, yeah. So, again, I mean, the, the pedigree of the filmmakers here is remarkable. The cast is spectacular. And it's another one where I think all of the characters are so well articulated early on that you know exactly who they are and what they'll do. And their arcs are really good. And then in a very Romero sort of style... They realize that the infected, uh, that's not the worst thing. So mm-hmm. they get to safety and they find that it's actually the government that's the worst thing, which I love when any time a, a zombie movie kind of calls back to Romero. Um, but I just, I mean, I love everything about this movie. I think this movie is just a masterpiece. But uh, for me, um, I think it's Frank's character that makes it so, it, he's the reason that all the other characters are able to grow. They have the arc that they have. And he's not just a dad to Hannah, you can see really quickly, he is a dad to all of them, and that's what they need. That's what that's what they all need yeah. just to get through this event. And that's a great introduction to that character because oh, yeah. he's got all that riot gear on. You think he's such a badass, and they don't know what to expect. When then he's just all smiles, and he takes <laughs> off, hey! hey. You know, and he seems to be getting, getting through it just fine. And it's just another sort of side to a character that in the short amount of time, that he's there just rips your heart out when that drop of blood hits in his eye because it's it's an instant realization. He knows and yep. he has to get his daughter away from him 
you know, quick enough that she'll that she'll survive. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking. He's the ultimate good guy in horror, and that's why he's number one from 28 Days Later, Brendan Gleeson as Frank. And, of course, Brendan Gleeson playing him. Oh, yeah, it, that's the whole. Yeah, he's, he's such a, a great, comforting presence to see on screen. You know, and they could have gone a lot of directions. I've thought about this more often than I should have, but, I mean, if, it, if you take Brendan Gleeson out of this movie, you're like, are you telling me only the wildly attractive people survive the zombie apocalypse? You know, and then Brendan Gleeson shows up. No, regular people did too. All right. At least for a while they did. Frank from 28 Days Later, number one on our nice guys in horror. And uh, that takes us up to the movie we're going to see tonight. And, yeah, we're up against the clock, so we got to get at it. So come on in. It's uh, Oh, it's hey, Michael. It's um, Werewolves Within is the premiere. By the way, Say thanks to Chris Hamill for getting this for us. Chris Hamill from the Gateway Film Center. And a big thank you to Chris for lining up uh, showing our film Godspeed before each showing of My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which is a great movie here a great uh, opening movie. at the Gateway, so check that out. Uh, we'll be back next month, July 14th, I believe is the date. We don't know yet what the movie's going to be or the topic. They will hash that out, and I'll take as much credit for it as I possibly can, <laughs> as usual. Uh, <laughs> so until then, remember, we do want to get your reactions after the movie. Since we didn't talk anything about it, uh, we come on down and we'll get your reactions for the podcast uh, after the movie's over. Tell us what you thought. 97 minutes later. <laughs> he gave you a little bit if Edgar Wright might have directed Jaws. You know, there were so many Jaws references. And a lot of uh, Edgar Wright touches, I thought, especially now seeing it the second yeah, time, that yeah. really, really jumped out. It's funny that you mentioned Edgar Wright because I was thinking a lot of uh, how in Hot Fuzz, how like very little details eventually play like a big part, like in the end, like the snowshoes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I had a really fun time watching this. It was funny. I, I thought about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through, I just leaned over and said, I would, I would love to stop it right now and just say, all right, who do you think it is? <laughs> You know, and you probably would have thrown shit at me, but still, <laughs> because, you know, watching it since we already knew like, oh, yeah, you can see how as a good filmmaker does, you want to throw a little bit of shade over here, a little bit over here and then what's going on. And it, it really is a lot of fun. I think it's going to do well. It's been such a long time since I saw something that that did that whodunit thing. Right. Like everybody trapped in this one. And I thought uh, the the dumbass couple from the garage like everything, everything they said was it. What did that eyeball just say? Right. Everything they said just made me so happy. There were so many, and some I didn't catch the first time. There were so many little those. Just when you think the scene <laughs> is just about over, there's one more little line of dialogue. You know, and it's just like that. Yeah. That is so funny. What do you think? Uh, this movie is batshit. <laughs> just like the town. In a good way. In a good way. Yes. <laughs> I really love that it's a werewolf movie where the werewolf did not come out until the last ten minutes, and they like they the atmosphere around the werewolf was great, and you didn't see it until the end, and it was that was great. I agree with you. I thought it was really fun the way they kept just saying, you know, it's not a werewolf, and they had right. really excellent options as to well, what it is, what could it be? I, I was actually all set for the whole werewolf thing to be a red herring. Yeah, completely, because yeah. it just it would just work that well as a, just a regular thriller. It's like, oh, it's a werewolf movie. Eh, no, it's not. Yeah, I think, it, you know, and I love the way that they, they brought in the sort of, you know, red-blue business. Right. So that for a long time it seemed, well, this is like really, 
lighthearted, but this is going to be kind of one of those political, be nice to each other. I mean, that all would have fit together so well. And in the end, it's like, no, bam, werewolf. Yeah, well, that's true, because as much fun as you're having, it's actually making some really important points, even as even as the body count is rising and we're having a lot of fun. Uh, what I really liked was the just the way the the cast bounced off one another. I mean, it was like gag after gag after gag. I mean, you, you just found yourself laughing and smiling through the entire film. But not only that, just the way it felt so cinematic and it just meant for the big screen. I mean, you know, if you think about Ruben's first film, Scare Me, I mean, it was so contained and very isolated and uh, personal, where this one felt so much bigger and, you know, making the town such a part of, of the movie, you know, I, I really loved that and, and liked how that came to the forefront. And at the very beginning, when it was Ruben and Sam Richardson giving the intro, how high were they? <laughs> I mean, come on. I loved the nods to other genre flicks. Obviously, the Friday the 13th, or not the Friday the 13th, but Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, but... Uh, my favorite film is The Lost Boys. <laughs> and that last joke line and then the shot at the end of just that two shot with their reactions, I immediately thought all the damn vampires. Yeah, when the grandpa then, comes do, home. Do, 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 <laughs> nice. And I like that, it. that just got me. I don't know if that was intentional on the filmmaker's part, but that definitely seemed like a nod to me. I think it was definitely intentional. Uh, the, most things are, are intentional. Even at the very, very beginning, the first, how, how much, the very first victim, how much yes. was that reminiscent of the first kill in Jaws? Oh, yeah, uh, it was so, so Jaws. It was so, so Jaws. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so I, I'm going to bring a different perspective. This was obviously based on a video game, and I think uh, one thing that I felt was interesting is that video game is based on, um, you know, everyone has a role, but someone's not the role that they are, and I love at the end, so great. Yeah, it was so great. Was good. Now, see, now, now that's a touch that we wouldn't have known. Nope, Thank you for that gaming have. perspective. No, I appreciate <laughs> that because I think in the video game to big screen movies that we've seen, so many just blow. Yeah, they really do. And this one, because it sets itself up like like a clue, like a clue mm -hmm. kind of a situation, you know, and uh, and they just, I just think they played it out so well. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, not to belabor the joke, but I really enjoyed the scientist character doing science with a capital S. You know, she's got like a centrifuge that she's spinning hairs in, <laughs> I think, and like a generic progress bar for the genetic code. I don't know. It was really good. Um, my only real criticism of the movie um, is the lack of indigenous and First Nations voices. I feel like if you're going to have um, a pipeline plot, you kind of need that element. Um but beyond that, I mean, I think it was a really smart movie, lots of really great performances. Um, and yeah, just to echo what everyone else said, just a really enjoyable, really fun film. Yeah. I loved how weird the scientist was. I love that she was just unapologetically just she hated people and she was just going to be sort of really awkward the whole time. I thought she was super fun. Well, it sounds like everybody loved it. And uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I was hoping we were hoping you would. We yeah. thought you would. So yeah. we appreciate that. Thank you for all of your feedback. And. And thanks for coming out. This podcast should be live and ready to go on Monday. And you can find it, of course, on all your favorite podcast apps or, of course, on any of our socials. We're at MadWolf.com or MadWolfColumbus on Facebook and Instagram. And we got our own Fright Club podcast Twitter account at Fright Club Pod. So all that stuff is fun. Um, hope you enjoy the movie. I think you will. Uh, be sure to come down and talk to us after and join us next month and keep in touch. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club podcast. Hey, Fright, Fright.
I love it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the movie. We'll talk to you. Roll it. Werewolves within.